Let's get ready to rumble. We're rumbling about pallets. Pallets, of course. We're rumbling. That's, well, it's okay. Let's let's try it this way. Uh, go ahead. Okay. When you were were you were in high school, right? You'd wrestle on mats, right? And that's where all the action happened, right? On the lowest part, on the base, on the bottom, right? So, pallets. <laughs> pallets are that base where everything matters, right? Don't quit your day job. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> Not anytime soon. Man, my. Oh, my God. You know, it, and it's funny because we tour, uh, some of us tour with Carl and these crazy people at James Bremen Associates, and we have to put up with this kind of stuff all the time with him. It's ridiculous. Good afternoon. It's 1 o'clock. It's Atlanta. Everybody's clean and happy. I was telling uh, my partner, John, over there that I was walking from the parking deck over here to the show. And they were saying that, you know, we're talking about the virus. And these guys were like going, you know what? This is a manufacturing show. We don't give up. We don't cancel shows. We're going to be here for the whole entire week. I love it. It's awesome because we need to do business, right? All of us need our businesses to be successful. So we're going to just keep on plowing through. So anyway, my name is Steve Brummer. I'm a partner at a company called BHIOT Group. We are one of the leading advisory, strategy, execution-focused firms in the IoT space. We are focused on making money in the, in, the, in the industry. So it's great to have sensors. It's great to have products and services and software and integrated uh, connectivity. But we got to figure out how to make money in this space. And so that's what we spend most of our time and focus in on for our clients on a worldwide basis. So I have two great guys here uh, that we're going to try and talk through the whole idea of intelligent pallets and where this industry is going. And so, Scott, why don't you introduce yourself and give a little spiel. All right. Yeah, thanks. So uh, my name is Scott Schwabe. I'm the, uh, the CEO, co-founder of a company by the name of NimbleLink. Uh, we're based in Minneapolis. And we build an uh, enabling technology for the, uh, you know, We'll call the the Internet of Things space, but ultimately, uh, wow, I'm knocking the walls down. Yeah, people are dying to get in. Dying to get <laughs> in. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so if you think about machines communicating, building cellular technology, well, what's really cool is when uh, you know we're going to talk through this today a little bit, but there's this emerging technologies that's allowing us to to build you know, smart battery operated uh, trackers. Uh, and that's what we do. We build hardware that uh, that really focuses battery powered. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. Mr. Ed. Yeah, Ed Nabrotsky here from a little company called Panasonic. You may have heard of us before. Uh, Panasonic makes a lot of things and ships a lot of things all over the world. And so as part of that, we're very involved in IoT just organically. Our own processes are changing from what they used to be decades ago into more modern ways of gathering data, ensuring quality, and making sure our products get to customers. So uh, I run a little group, uh, an IoT solutions company group out of Rochester, New York. Uh, we're tied into our uh, Newark, New Jersey headquarters, uh, where we base our administrative pieces out of. And uh, Panasonic is everywhere where you are. So I'm sure we can find you wherever you are. Well, I'm going to ask you the first question, because how does Panasonic involve itself in things like logistics, and pallets, uh, obviously know about your products, your handheld products and your devices and scanning capabilities. So how does this fit into what you're doing? Great question. Um, it fits into I everything. One every doing. once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
when you're a hundred-year-old device company, you're making devices that uh, span every industry. You know, we're involved in almost anything you could mention. Um, so as part of that, we're feeling the same pressure you are as your customers ask you for greater transparency, greater tracking, better traceability, and better efficiency. You know, when when the 70s, um, the Japanese wave came over to manufacturing in the 70s, and we were all on Kanban and evolved into Six Sigma, we were really all about the process. And uh, the whole industry moved towards treating material as if it was generic. You know, you were worried about your process and optimizing and making sure that you were efficient and making a thousand of the same thing. But today, every shipment, every manufacturing line is a batch of one. And customers are demanding full transparency to know exactly what's in it, when's it going to arrive at my doorstep, and all the pieces that it touched along the way. That kind of transparency requires a different kind of system. It's not a paper-based label that you can just slap on things now. There's got to be IoT devices all along the way. And Panasonic uh, participates in every part of that, everything from making the label, the RFID, the different devices that capture it, and the software that sits over top of it. So we have a keen interest in it. And so your solutions group does what? Well, our solutions group does right now a, a very big focus on manufacturing optimization and some industrial logistics. We're doing material flow, uh, tracking material going through a factory, optimizing inventory, reducing labor, uh, increasing efficiencies, and creating a full transparency into the data of what's happening. So customers and suppliers can reach right inside those four walls and know what's happening in the material flow. Our big focus right now is tying together Panasonic devices. Uh, we have so many devices of different types and being able to use all of those as part of the track and trace solution is, is the first mission in the mandate. But we also reach out and work with other third-party vendors as well. Excellent. Scott, how's business? What's going on? What's new? What's selling? What's not selling? What are you seeing from a trend for this year? Wow, that's a pretty big, bold, broad, broad question there. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what? I'm here to I'm here to make sure that everybody shines. Sure. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk. You know, again, very specifically uh, in in this business. Yeah, we had we had talked about uh, you know pallets, and we're really focusing on that. As all everybody knows, there's trillions of dollars of uh, of material moving around on pallets. What you know? What's the latest number? One one point some billion pallets running around the uh, the country at any one time. Uh, so for, for us, uh, business is, uh, yeah, our goal is to track every one of those somehow. Uh, and, uh, and we're getting penetration uh, and, you know, and maybe we'll, we'll talk a little bit about supply chain today with the, uh, uh, because because uh, that's a mess and it's going to get worse uh, with everything that's going on. But yeah, business is going well uh, and we'll, we'll dive into more technology. But what's really exciting right now for anybody that's, uh, uh, looking to track uh, an asset uh, that you've never tracked before and you, and, you, and you haven't done it because it was too expensive or you know you don't have power to it uh, the technology today is converging in a way that allows us to do smaller devices battery operated lower cost and and so the convergence and you know if we're ever gonna I think it was Cisco said we're gonna track 50 billion things at some point if we're ever gonna do it we've got to, all these things need to come together and they are which is really exciting and I think that's a great point today has never been a better day to do IOT and tracking of anything um, some of us have been in the industry a long time several decades and today we can find sensors and products and devices from companies like Scott. We can find products and software and solutions and integration capabilities from a Panasonic. 
and we have the networks on a worldwide basis, whether they're satellite tracking or on the ground tracking, uh, available to us at a reasonable price. So today should never be a time where you think about how difficult this is. We have the products, which is for us an am amazing point in our careers in the IoT space. So first question as it relates to pallets as we get back onto it. So there's a billion plus pallets that are out there. Why in the world do we need to track them? And if we are tracking them, why? I mean, what's the cost effectiveness of tracking a pallet? I'll, get, I'll start on that. And, and, and maybe I'll start out at a higher level of uh, if, you're, if you're running a business, you're looking at, you know, what are the, the two, or two or three key things that IoT can do for you? Uh, so if you think about it at the pallet level, one, if you just optimize your own asset, if you use your assets more often, if, if you have a, a certain number of pallets and you want to use those as efficiently as possible, then tracking them allows you to increase your turns, maybe you know, uh, decrease uh, the number of pallets you have on your balance sheet, uh, reuse those and use them more, and, and that makes your CFO happier. Uh, it makes uh, operations happier. So really optimizing your own particular uh, um, product is, is one reason that you would want to start tracking. The second is increasing customer satisfaction. So if you can imagine that you're shipping things, moving them around from point A to point B, and the more transparency you can give to your customer when things are coming, where they're at, uh, or if you're the customer, just knowing, increasing that customer satisfaction. And then the third, I would say, uh, you know, key element of an IoT solution uh, in your business is if you can actually generate another revenue stream and generate more money by doing that. So if you're tracking a pallet and now all of a sudden you can actually charge your customer because now not only are you tracking it, but maybe you're doing the condition of the pallet, uh, the temperature, the humidity, uh, did it have shock? Uh, so the ability to not only know where it is and optimize your, your assets, increase your customer satisfaction, and increase the revenue stream in your business, I would call that the grand slam of IoT. Absolutely. And, and you talked about cost a little bit. Uh, costs have come down so much from when maybe you've looked at this project before. If you haven't looked recently at it, you know, put an RFID tag on a pallet, you're talking about pennies. Uh, if you want it to be a hardened tag or a longer range tag, maybe you're talking tens of cents. But that is far outweighed by the benefits we just talked about. Whether it's anti-theft to make sure that you all your pallets come back, or whether it's traceability to be able to see where they've gone through the process and provide visibility to your customers, or analytics to help you with your process to get better and better as an organization. You know, 10 cents a pallet, absolutely that's an investment you should be making. Uh, if you want to get into fancier things, uh, you know, Panasonic has pioneered a device that's uh, using e-paper now and putting a more intelligent tag, it's not tens of cents, uh, but still for tens of dollars, you can get into something that can communicate with your operators, eliminate paper altogether, have a lower environmental footprint, and be able to gather a lot of other interesting data like shock and vibe on the pallet, where it was jostled, what temperature it's at, a lot of very, very interesting data points that can help you out. Um, so IoT is a lot about data, but it really impacts your processes and provides tangible benefits. You have to really think about it Think about your process differently. Uh, we used to think about the process as being pretty fixed, and we kept the material stupid, and we tried to create uh, smart workers or smart processes around it. Think about the material being smart. 
Think about your pallet knowing it's supposed to get on the 4 o'clock truck. Think about your pallet raising an alarm saying, I haven't gone through pack yet, and I'm going to miss the truck. Send somebody over to process me. That kind of thinking in your process, smart material, changes the way you think about doing business. It's why Amazon's successful in doing what they're doing. They have that paradigm. And so as we talk with different uh, thought leaders and different customers in our industry, we always focus on the smart material aspect of it. Get it as low down your process as you can, that the material knows where it's supposed to go, when it's supposed to be there, and you've got the right system to alert when conditions change. So are we looking at tracking only high-value asset pallets, or are we going to get to the point because of the cost that it's built into every pallet, whether it's wood, plastic, com composite? Exactly. How can you not, when you're talking about pennies to add traceability into a pallet, why wouldn't you have it in every single thing? You know, the, the big problem with tracking pallets in the past has been infrastructure. How do you put every dock door, you know, uh, very expensive portals everywhere? As that becomes lighter weight, lower cost, it just makes sense to tag everything and have it embedded everywhere. But from an RFID, you do have limitations on the coverage scenarios. You do. So yep. But you've got different kinds of RFID. You've got active RFID that can go quite long. You've got passive that can get you tens of meters. But even now, you can get into other things like vision systems. I mean, we're, we're talking about RFID, but increasingly using cameras to be able to see a pallet come through a dock door, recognize it based on symbology on the pallet, uh, you might not have to have any additive cost and remove a lot of the cost of portals. So don't, don't worry about the constraint of the technology. Think about what you want to do with that pallet. And uh, good companies like Panasonic and others can design the right system for you, leveraging the right technology. Yeah, I think that's just a very good point. Understanding what you're trying to solve and spending that time and up upfront effort and working with the right people to, to, to really get your requirements and getting that uh, sp uh, figured out is going to save you a lot of headaches at the end because, uh, and uh, Steve, you just, you know, we're alluding to the fact can you, can you track, uh, you know, pallets everywhere uh, and, and getting the cost. The last panel that was just up here was talking about connectivity and you've got, um, you know, you've got Z-Wave and Zigbee and Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and LoRa and, uh, and you've got satellite and cellular. Uh, and right now I would say that creating a solution that uses some or all of those might be the right answer. Your, your solution might just need RFID and then it works perfectly because the way the, the pallet and the asset is moving around within the infrastructure and where it goes, you might be able to control all that. You might be able to actually put the infrastructure in and, and it works and it works perfectly. But in the, in the cases where uh, your, your asset, your pallet is moving indoors, outdoors, across the United States, into Mexico, into Canada, into trucks and buildings and places that you don't control and own, you still can track that uh, and that you could do that through satellite and through cellular. Uh, through cellular and right now as we were talking about the emerging technologies with, uh, you know, we'll use the 5G word uh, as with the fifth generation of cellular uh, with narrowband IoT and LTEM, uh, the low power capabilities of these products allow you to actually create a cellular based tracker that will, you know, if you wake it up once a day, will last five years on two AA batteries. So you can actually get to a point where you can actually deploy uh, a tracker at the pallet level that will actually be there and autonomous and, and be able to, you know, with no infrastructure needs. But again, as you, you know, 
the cost of the asset. And I wouldn't even look at it as the cost of the asset as much. It's the utilization. So thinking about your process and where are you able to save money and dollars. If you lost that asset, um, if you lost that pallet or whatever you're tracking through the line, what's that cost of the business? You know, not, not only just in the dollar effect of, okay, it cost me that much to build that, but what's the cost in the supply chain when you lose something and it doesn't get to your customer or if you lose something along the way? So, so those are the analysis that have to come into play that allow us right now today to track many more things than you would even think about tracking even six months ago. And six months from now, uh, we're going to be thinking about tracking things that were, you know, right now I would say 80% of all the deployments that we're working on are in what I would call the white space, tracking things that have never been tracked before that we've been wanting to or talking about tracking. I'm going to go back to, uh, go to supply chain. So today, are you seeing pallets tracked for the entire supply chain process or really just parts of it when it gets taken off the manufacturing line put on a trailer and then to its only destination. What are you seeing as far as how 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 much through the process is, is a pallet intelligently tracked? Yeah, we're seeing uh, multiple use cases. There's some cases where uh, uh, if they if they have a route that they know the route and they know the route's secure and they've and you haven't really lost anything in that route, you're able to track it in the warehouse to the shipping dock and then when it leaves the shipping dock it gets on the truck and two weeks later, a week later, it comes into your warehouse and, and you're not worried about the condition and you're not worried about the, uh, then then that's the infrastructure it's put in and it's not tracked along the way. But in the case where you've got a perishable and uh, it's a it's a food item or something, and you as the manufacturer are not going to get paid if that uh, if that product arrives at the end destination and it's not in the condition that uh, that it's supposed to be, you you need figure out where did it fall apart, uh, where did uh, where what where did the temperature get too high or the humidity get out of whack or or where did the you know. It, was there some uh, impact that happened? And in those cases, we're finding uh, uh, the companies tracking that, tracking the condition, and then it doesn't, they don't have to tell the, uh, the 3PL company that it's being tracked. They don't have to tell anybody because they're doing it with an autonomous uh, tracking device that actually flows with the pallet. And uh, you don't have to rely on the, uh, the transportation company. So it, de it really, uh, it's dependent on uh, regulation, you know, reporting requirements on, you know, your insurance, your, uh, you know, uh, uh, what the liability is at the end, um, and, you know, and then how much you're getting lost. I mean, I've talked to uh, uh, customers that are shipping very, very expensive things, but they've never lost one. So then really why do they track, you know, what, why would you ever track it? You've never lost one. It's in a controlled environment. It's working well. Your processes are working well. It doesn't make sense to track that if, uh, if there's no other reason uh, to do that. So I think it's, again, what I mentioned earlier, really understanding your business, understanding your business model, understanding uh, what your business model could evolve to is really important to determine what you track and how you track it. And, and other than regulation, sometimes you have powerful players in the marketplace. Uh, automotive is a good example of that, where automotive can control their tier suppliers and force that kind of implementation down. And increasingly, they're banding together and creating consortia that can create
create common standards and allow us to, a uh, place like AIAG, create definitions of how to track these pellets down through. So whether it's automotive or semiconductors, another good one like that, or pharmaceutical, um, you've got large players that can do that. One of the reasons why pallets are exciting to talk about, because I know you're all excited about pallets, <laughs> is that they're reusable containers. And sometimes, because somebody else has tagged it, that allows you to use that tagging or that information in your process. So uh, feeding off of some of those large players or those big industries that are really standardizing can really help smaller industries or edge players uh, leverage the same technology. Couple questions for the audience. So Cisco came out with a report that said that the average pallet lasts around three years. Would all of you agree with that? No, you think it's longer? Less? You think it's less than that? Does everybody agree? No? What do you think? So three years on, so let's just say we're on average, because uh, you know, again, if you're gonna spend more money on a composite, it's going to last longer, right? So it shouldn't be there, but it's, is it recycled? Um, so when we're starting to talk about low-powered products and sensor devices that are tracking these things, as well as RFID, the battery life on these things could go five, seven, ten years. So there should be never a reason why these things shouldn't be recycled more or tracked more because we know exactly where the hell they are. If they're sitting in a parking lot or they're sitting in a, in a loading area, we're going to know about that. Um, how many people in the audience currently today are tracking their pallets? Show of hands. Okay. So a couple. And are you doing it because your clients are asking for it, or are you doing it because it's part of your value add? What? Value add. Value add. Excellent. Okay, so so now let's go with the biggest challenge and the biggest concern and issue in this in this crazy space that we're that's exploding because right now it's a very small percentage of pallets of the billion plus that are actually being tracked. So it's a great opportunity for anybody that's in the industry, but it's also for you to be able to add value because it has been proven that by tracking your pallet. If you say you're in warehousing or 3PL or you're doing something for other clients, giving them that added data on where their shipments are allows you to charge more. So there is an ROI on intelligent pallets for sure on tracking that capability. But from my question is to you guys, what are you seeing as the biggest challenge right now to move this to where we are looking at a half a billion of these pallets being tracked? Yeah, so I see a, a couple areas. One, most everybody's been using RFID or some other technology for a long time. Now all of a sudden you say, hey, I'm gonna use cellular, and now you got a monthly charge. You got a monthly expense that, uh, that you have to look at and figure out into your ROI. And most businesses has, have not started to model that. And so that's the first block is like, okay, how am I going to model? What if I expected to live you know, my pallet to last three years and it only lasts one year or only last six months? You know, what's that, uh, what's that whole business model structure with the carriers to actually, you know, buy a $1.50 SIM and then use it for one month? Uh, can we do that? So uh, there's some of that area that, you know, that we're working and, and there's solutions to it, but that's the first thing that we're, we, 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 we run across is just the, just the actual 
business model and the fact that now you're going to be paying a monthly cellular or satellite connection when you're looking at moving things from you know outdoors and indoors and and any other areas just um, there's uh, uh, we we spent a lot of time educating uh, and working through the noise of you know does LTEM CADM really work is it everywhere or is this just another carrier hype marketing tool. Depends if there's any carriers in the audience. Uh, are there, yeah. Uh, I talked to, yeah. So I I sit on panels with carriers all the time, and so we have this conversation. So so I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with it. So if there are any carriers, yeah, yeah you, you can throw me under the bus some other time. Uh, so it's, uh, but because I work very directly, uh, you know, with all the carriers, uh, you know, it just, it's important to do. And so we've created the business models, but that's the education. Yes, and like I said, the second area is, you know, you, you had mentioned five years, you know, you take a device like this with two AA batteries, is it really going to work for five years? How do you know? Yeah, you know, I mean, the technology's only been here for, you know, six months, you know, prove that, that it's going to work. You know, when I talk about CAD-M, you know, LTEM, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, a new Intel, uh, you know, chipset, uh, uh, but, but again, you know, as if anybody's worked in manufacturing, you know that we can do long-term reliability and we can do testing and, and all of that. So we know, and again, to your point, cellular's been here for a long time, batteries have been here for a long time. It's just a matter of as these converge. I mean, you know, all of you have got cell phones, uh, you know, out there and using them. Uh, you know, the latest one I bought actually works longer than the one I had previously. And But we all know the batteries go dead and, and, uh, and work through that, but the technology is getting better. So I think, it's an education uh, and uh, trust and, uh, and just seeing it as one of the key elements that I'm seeing and then that, that ROI business model of, uh, of modeling in and helping, you know, understand you could charge more for that. And, and, but that's another whole business model when you're used to giving away things and, and, the, and you train the industry. It's like uh, the industry out there say, wow, there's no way I'm going to pay for the use of that pallet on a monthly basis. Uh, it, takes a, it takes a shift and a change in an industry to actually communicate to that end customer that there's value in knowing the temperature and, and how do you get them to pay for that. I'll, uh, I'll add a little bit to what Scott said. I think um, underlying technologies have become very stable and most of the customers that we talk to already believe in, for instance, cellular uplink or RFID. Um, you can demonstrate that. Usually where our projects have been stopped has been at the software layer. Um, everyone's scared of touching their ERP. Everyone's scared of the length of such a project. How do I actually integrate this system? How do I expose the data to my customers? What does that do to my security? Uh, how do I create a project that, that can actually be deployed? I think that's our biggest barrier. And um, because each implementation's been done in a bit of an island, and our industry has not been so open to hosting services and getting onto common cloud platforms, uh, it's been difficult for people to bear the cost of those large IT integrations. That, that to us has been the biggest issue. I will uh, echo some of those things because we are in the industry doing a lousy job of education, not only for you, the vendors, and the participants in the ecosystem, but also the companies that we're trying to sell this thing to and who you're selling your services to on those pallets. So we owe a, an opportunity to get educated on what we can do with these kinds of tracking products. I think you're absolutely right, Ed. The integration challenges that exist are huge. Um, they are what's delaying POCs to going to full deployment today more than anything. 
And so we need to be able to, even though we may have what we call turnkey tracking solutions available from a hardware and a software integration standpoint, the ERP integration and some of the back-end tracking programs that exist that, that we have to get to is hard. I think, that's a, I think that's a huge one. Yeah, and I think also, you know, as I talked about, it's, that's one thing. And then now, are you going to actually change your business model? And are you going to you know, like change your billing and change your tracking and change? Because that, that is a huge endeavor to internally uh, move your business to say, now we're going to start charging for this. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's uh, infrastructure, it's billing systems, it's sales training, it's education training. So I think those are, I've seen that uh, actually holding up POCs actually is the, uh, the uh, there's a desire there's a, you know, it's like, man, this is really exciting. I know I can do this, but how do I get this through my executive committee, through my board, through my, you know, how do I change this dynamic and help them understand that this is, we're going to, we're going to spend some money here, put these trackers on, build this out, put it into our ERP system, but look at the great return we're going to get, uh, and then actually change the internal organization to think that way uh, has been a, been a challenge. Yeah, but that, that's where you're seeing some examples in the market that if you don't see them, you should be scared of them. Um, when you see Ford firing their CEO after their most profitable quarter ever in customer history because they didn't feel he was moving fast enough on IoT and bringing in a bunch of people that had never built cars from the West Coast to join Ford's executive team to try and bring more technology and more transparency into the car making business, a very old and very conservative business, you start to get a signal of what this market's about. It's not just about another cost-saving project. If we don't innovate in traceability, if we don't provide transparency to our processes, A, we don't improve the way our competitors are, some of the new people that are coming up to try and compete with us, and B, we can't satisfy our customers who are looking to look inside our process, not as a black box, but to see where every pallet is on every single day for every single delivery. If we can't provide that, somebody else will. And uh, some of the big players in the market realize that are making changes, and I, I hope we all follow that and understand these things are necessities, not just simple cost-saving projects. It's a change of mind. How many people in the audience are in trucking of some sort? Just okay. ELD is changing the pallet business also because once we went to ELD and all the drivers and the rigs needed to be tracked with electronic dri logging dri for drivers, it now sets in motion the idea that now shouldn't I track everything that's in the back of the trailer? And so it's been a direct correlation for the growth of coming from ELD into pallet industry because of the capabilities within that truck. Because if you're doing ELD, you already have a communication module built into the truck. So even if you are doing RFID, putting an RFID chipset inside an in-vehicle communications box is pretty damn simple. And so we're, we're seeing that whole change within the vehicle to drive where we are with pallet tracking in general. Um, so when we look at the, uh, the cost associated with it, and you brought up the idea of, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have a monthly bill from a carrier for that. But we also have situations where Laura is, you know, $8 a year, $5 a year for MBIOT because we're not needing to track this thing constantly. Is it really a cost prohibitive scenario to track a pallet? 
Yeah, it's it's not. Uh, I mean, we're seeing five dollars a year for cellular, uh, or less right now. Uh, you know, so we're actually getting down. You know, with uh, depending on volume and what's deployed. Uh, uh, you know, because you're not sending a lot of data. Uh, you know, typically, so it's not like you're streaming video. Uh, hopefully, uh, and uh, so and then the nice thing about the uh, the 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 LTEM network, and I won't go into technical, but with the 5G, they're able to splice off uh, a, s a spectrum that actually doesn't communicate and interfere with the iPhones and the iPads and stuff, which then allows the uh, the carriers to actually have a lower overhead, lower uh, infrastructure cost, and allow us to actually communicate and not and not have to interfere. And that's and that also drove us to uh, uh, give us the ability to do low power because when we had to build cellular machines that connected to the regular tower, you had to leave those devices on quite often because you had regulation where you had to communicate with the tower and so it really drained the battery. Now with this technology and with the splicing off, we're able to actually completely shut the device down uh, and actually put it in, almost in a sleep mode for you know 24 hours if and and that 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 was the other area that really uh, really helped it so so I think from a cost prohibitive point you know cost cost or, you know the uh, the network uh, they know that if you're going to do the 50 billion devices that uh, you've got you have to get that cost down and there's technologies like you said with Alora I think in the last panel talked about the ability to put two antennas up and two gateways uh, uh, and and you can connect uh, you know tens of thousands of devices and and there's public you know there's countries right now that have public area networks uh, uh, that are competing with the cellulars and uh, connections I think what we we mentioned about consulting a truck um, since we think about trucks so much with trucks becoming autonomous and having that controller that brain inside doing a sweep inside the truck seeing what's in the back I is really feasible uh, putting most of the cost that's already gonna be built into that truck already there and very little into the pallet you know a very simple chip inside of each one so cost is not the issue if you came here thinking boy the technology is not there to do what I want to do or not at the price point that I need you know you really need to think about that the technology probably is there the price points probably are there it's really about a, a, a will in your business model to go there and to bear the cost of a project of improvement to get it there but everything else in place yeah because the ROIs are there I Absolutely. mean I mean and I think that's the greatest thing about what we're trying to explain to everybody is that today there is true ROI for your customers are willing to pay to know where their shipments are regardless of the value of that asset it's really cool to see dots on a map people want to see that integration on their dashboards to be able to do that um, and then I, w I wanted to ask one other question as it related to pricing scenarios uh, I wish Roberto from Pico was here. Uh, today, some of the new pallets, the composite pallets that are being built, are uh, they're including the device into the material, the composite material itself. So you buy a skew with the tracker built into the plastic comp, the composite, and you start to look at those kinds of things, and you look at the pricing in quantity it's not that much different as a, uh, from a capex standpoint in the purchase of the of the pallet up front and then if you are doing something with a low power wide area option and you're talking about 50 cents or 30 cents a month 
to track it, the ROI is there for every one of us to be able to sell that value of tracking it to everybody that we're, uh, all of our customers overall. Sure, yeah, I can't speak specifically to their business model, but there's a number of business models where uh, there's reusable uh, assets that are being pooled, being tracked if it's train cars or pallets. Uh, uh, and ultimately, if you have one of those companies that are, that are pooling assets, integrating the technology inside that and amortizing that over a number of years is at this point, uh, uh, if you don't do it, somebody else is gonna do it. So it's just, you, you need to move fast and just make that happen. Uh, and then if you're a user of that technology, then that's something you can go back and say, hey, you know, I shouldn't have to put this tracker on, you guys should do it. You should push back and say, you know, I, I would expect that I should be able to start tracking these things and, and I'm willing to pay a little bit extra. Um, yeah, what's interesting, the challenge is, you know, that uh, we, uh, the greed that happens sometimes in the space of, oh, well, you're tracking something that's worth $50,000, so I should get nine, you know, $90 a month for that instead of the 50 cents, you know. So we get into the... Sign me up for $90 a month. Exactly. There's some good margins I've in that bad boy. Yeah, you know, and it lasts for, you know, I, I call them EBITDA addicts, you know, so it lasts for a while and then it just goes away. Any questions from the audience? I mean, we're just kind of pontificating up here. Anybody have any questions or comments? No one's here. Really, after we got 30 people in here and not one question. Yes, sir. I, how do you handle that, Carl? So the question is uh, uh, very specifically like the cellular trackers. So let's just talk about the components a little bit and then that can kind of build that up. You know, if you look at, uh, you know, the the actual cellular module right now that, you, you know, that, uh, you know, when you're looking at LTE, you know, CAT3, CAT4, down to LTM, those modules have now come down into at higher volumes to about $6. Uh, uh, so you're seeing the actual cellular module, which used to be, you couldn't find a cellular module, you know, with back with in the battery, With a battery in it, with a powered for three to five to seven years. And for 750, you can get it with GPS. And so, so we're seeing, you know, uh, you know, trackers, you know, um, I'll be pretty, pretty uh, transparent here. This one's got uh, two AA batteries, GPS, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth chipset in it. Uh, uh, and temperature, humidity with tamper proof, and you know, and, and right now uh, the the cost structures in the probably uh, thirty to forty dollar range right now. Um, so it's still not five dollars, uh, but when you start adding enclosures and stuff like that, uh, you know, into the into the cellular, you're still in that range. But like we were just talking about Bluetooth or RFID, I'll let uh, uh, Ed; he's more the expert. But cellular, we're seeing devices. That you know now, if you don't care about battery life and you want to put like uh, a little coin cell in there and it's only last for a month, uh, and you want to use a disposable, we're seeing uh, we're seeing some devices getting down in that you know sub twenty dollar uh, yep. range right now uh, with cellular. Uh, so it just depends on how long you want it to last. Does it need to be um, uh, IP67 weatherproof, ruggedized? Does it need uh, do you need GPS? Uh, uh, it depends on how. how so there's. If you want to just get to a device that says, hey, here I am within three to 400 meters and it doesn't need to be that rugged, sub $20 is very uh, feasible. When, when we send our professional services group out to the field to do analysis with our customers, there's always a tipping point about volumes. So 
can you afford a $10 or a $20 tracker that's full GPS to talk up to the cloud, uh, get satellite view? You can if it's a small number. If it becomes a lot, another way to do it, and an implementation we just did was putting uh, a cheaper, maybe 50 cent or 60 cent tracker on there and having a drone go through and sweep. Um, you do a drone or an autonomous uh, pickup truck going through, and it can sweep the whole yard and pick up everything that's in there and then relay that all in bulk up to your upstairs uh, software. So uh, don't feel constrained. Yeah. You want to have a, a professional work with you to think what's the right technology. Should each pallet communicate individually, or can you sweep them by the truck load, or can you sweep them by the yard load? And you can use different price points to get there, as low as five or six cents, all the way up to 50 or $60, depending on what you're trying to do. And on that point, uh, you know, these could be mobile access points too. So I mean, you can actually have uh, Bluetooth beacons uh, travel with the cellular yep. uh, tracker. So you know, depending on you know statistically, if you know that so many travel together, you would put the uh, mobile access point on a statistical number of uh, uh, of pallets that travel. So you have those capabilities to drive down the uh, not both the. Uh, uh, the cost of the hardware, but also you now you're not paying for connectivity on every single pallet. You're only paying for connectivity on the mobile access point. So, th so those are some of the other things that uh, working with uh, uh, the right solution provider can help with your business solution. And and that's a great point. So we're our firm is currently working with two pharmaceutical companies. One is a compound company, and one is a products company. And we are running LoRa, low power wide area networks, with beacons, uh, BLE and beacon technology in the warehouse, in the loading docks, in the transfer warehouse, and well as the docks where they're getting put on the container ships. Uh, all those are being done with, uh, with LoRa gateways, so you're paying for the LoRa gateways, indoor gateways, 500 to 1,000 to $1,200. Um, the current LoRa uh, beacon units that we're using right now are around $8 to $9, depending on the quantity that's there. And the monthly cost is um, around $8, $9 a year from an overall cost. And that's for a pharmaceutical company that we're running with pallets on pallets in the area. So. All right. Any other questions? No? All right. I'll, we'll keep going then. Uh, do we have time, Carl? We are we all right? Three minutes? Yeah. All right. So um, because we're. I just want to know if you've polled the audience. Did how I many poll? Yeah. How many people are actually using pallets and that kind of stuff? We kind of did. Yeah, okay. well, I did that in the beginning. Then I, I apologize. Pay okay. attention next time when you're. Yeah, I'll try. Okay. Great. Um, because uh, Roberto is not here, who is the manufacturer of pallets and has intelligent pallets, uh, I am going to ask this particular question. What will it take for us within this pallet industry, supply chain industry, to get it to the next level? Is it going to take, Scott, you reducing the cost of the device? Is it the carrier getting, we're driving device cost to zero, airtime to zero, software is getting more turnkey and yep. cost effective. What the hell is it gonna take for all these people here to have intelligent pallets and track them successfully. I, well, <laughs> as Costco, we just talked about an $8 LoRa tag or a $6 LoRa tag. That's an order of magnitude cheaper than we were 10 years ago. Oh. So I, I don't believe it's cost that's not, going to do not it. Guys like him are not happy about it. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but it, 
well, for all of us. I mean, the reality is device cost keeps going down. Um, so ultimately, is it the cost that's going to be the tipping point, or is it going to be the competitive pressure? You know, in my view, when I've seen companies really change, it's because another upstart right beside you suddenly starts leveraging these technologies, offering better services to their customers, better traceability, um, better demand, and, and that's what forces you to change. So it, my vote is I think the industry is changing as companies like Amazon are creating an expectation amongst the customers that everything is transparent, everything is overnight, and I can know exactly where my order is at any given time. As that permeates our consumer life, it permeates the business-to-business -business expectation. And I think that's what drives it. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, this is no time to get into politics, but the government drives. You in the pharmaceutical <laughs> business, uh, you know, the, you're seeing the regulation saying, I need, you need to know what that temperature is. And then the insurance companies, the regulatory are saying, you know, we, we know like for specific, specifically for vaccines, uh, if a vaccine goes out of range for a certain period of time, they're not going to get paid for it. So they're, they're forcing some of this activity. We're also seeing, you know, in, in today's, you know, just take what's going on with this virus and you know, take what's going on with food and Ebola and all this stuff. Yeah, you're seeing more and more of the government come and saying, we need to know where our food is all the time and we need to know what the condition is of the food. So uh, I'm hoping that we can do it through competitiveness and we can do it through uh, business models, but I also see that there's, there's things coming down the road, the road that regulation that sometimes moves it and it's gonna move it faster, I think. Excellent. Any other questions at all from anybody? Carl, I think we're done. Oh, we got a question there, sir. Yeah, you got know one more question here. Just asking if we're talking about composite plastic or wood or you know, all. yeah. So um, we're actually tracking more wood pellets than we are plastic yeah. uh, right now. But we, you know, be, we're seeing a lot of uh, uh, you know, obviously moving that to the plastic. But um, you get down into uh, again. You're not track, you know, the wood pallets that are disposable that get broke up, you know, once a week and never get returned. I, I have not seen anybody tracking those yet, um, but I'm seeing them track the more expensive wood pallets in the pooling space that are moving around and coming back. And I will tell you that uh, one of the pharmaceutical companies is actually having their pallets recycled back into the system that they have because of tracking. So they know when it got through the port, got to its destination unloaded where it's racked, sent back to the manufacturing facility to be reused again. So it's less expensive for them to take all the pallets, put them in a, conta in a container or a 53-foot trailer, ship them back to where they came from, and use them again. Yeah, so Steve, we'll be around afterwards yeah. to answer questions. If you want to find Ed, he's right there where it says Panasonic Industry, and we're right next to him. Uh, <laughs> so so you want to come find us. I was going to say that. Thanks, Scott. Steal my thunder. Thank you all for hanging out with us, and uh, if you have any questions, we'll be around. Yeah, please join us at our booth right over here.